So if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Titus 2, 11 through 14. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. And uh, just, just real quick, this is Paul's letter to his, you know, co-laborer, young Titus. And this is his instructions on how the church ought to look like. It says this. <clears throat> For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, uh, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin and cleanse us and make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful this morning that we're caught up in what you're doing. God, we thank you that you, you use us in the ways you have. We thank you that for, the, for the ability to meet and gather today, to open up your word that you've preserved And God, we want to hear from you. We don't just want this to be another Sunday where we do the motions, but God, we say you have full reign in our lives. Speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you minister to us from your your word um, what it means, what it looks like to be the church, to encourage us, to spur us on, to live into what you already have done here. We continue in that. Uh, God, I pray that you'd use me as your mouthpiece, as your vessel to speak your truth and power. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I have had this like, amazing but unique lens uh, to be the oldest and the youngest son at the same time at reality. And this is what I mean by that. If you've been around for any amount of time, we like to refer of church planting as more of church birthing. It's a family endeavor, it's costly, a lot of prayer, a lot of time, and um, we call it church birthing. It's a labor of love, and we're in it for life. And if you don't know about me, a bit of, bit of history, why, why that statement is true, oldest and youngest, is that I kind of grew, grew up here. Um, I graduated high school the same year reality started in 2003, and I've just literally been here ever since been formed through Christ by what God has done in this local expression and everything that's happened from it. Um, Got involved with the youth group early on, became the youth pastor, um, junior high and high school in 2006 and did that for a long time. Um, Greatest years. Do I have any RCY kids here? Yeah, there you go. Okay, over there. That's the way you're, okay, that's a good section. All right. The young cool kids are over there. Say no. Um, Man, I would go back to those years in a second. I would move back, yeah, whatever, Honolulu, come back to RCY days. Anyway, it, I, I loved every minute of being here. And what's neat is that just being here, seeing God do what he does best, um, grow his church and build it, been, been able to be a part of all of our church plants, right? So LA and Stockton and London and San Francisco and all, all that. I've been here. And so like when a church planner comes, um, they usually have this year of like detox, we like to call it, ministry detox, where they just sit and like get, be with Jesus and be healed and like just be, like get a normal job, not in ministry. And uh, so it's been so fun. I've just had this like front row seat to, I guess, all of these babies being born. I've, I've been here, 
So I feel like I've been the oldest because I've seen all the other kids being born of the family. But now, what happened was, over time, uh, you know, it's been great. It's been awesome because Carp has always been my home. So I've been able to have a front row seat, all the kids being born. You go out, I'll help you, but I'll always come back to Carp. Like for me, Casitas Pass was our exit. So like when I saw McDonald's sign coming back from like somewhere, I was like, yes, I'm home. Not that McDonald's is my home, but you know what I mean. If you live off Casitas Pass and you're coming from like LAX and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to be home. You miss McDonald's. Um, But I was like good with this thing. Like, God, yeah, I'll help start them. I'll go on prayer tours. I'll like support these church planners. Like, yeah. But then God pulled a fast one. And a few years ago, um, really felt this strong calling, and everyone else did too, of like, it was our time to go. Our time to go start uh, our own church, um, Bertha Church, right? So that said, we did. We did, and we've been there, and it's been about exactly about a year and a half of a church. But the reason why I say there's this unique lens, because I've just kind of like, I'm the oldest, but I'm the youngest, if that makes sense. Been there to see all the other kids born, but myself being the youngest in the family, But through all of that, through Reality Carpenteria, through Reality Family of Churches, what what my time here has seen, like over the past 16 years or whatever, is that the church, the local expression of God's people is at the core to be a family, That, that that we are supposed to be in relationship with one another, and community is at the heart of the church. And that's because it's at the heart of and the core of who God is. By nature, God is relational, right? We believe in the Trinity, three in one, three distinct persons, one essence. Genesis 1.26, like when God made man, let us make man in our image, speaking of the Trinity. God's relational, we're to be relational, and our text today gives us a great framework to work off of what like the local expression of what we call church is to be like. And man, um, before we get into that, one note on the Reality Family Church is how we do church is so unique. Like the fact that we care about each other and are relational. Um, you guys just don't know. It's, it's, this is unique. Not every church is like this. Yes, I'm going to boast in this church because I've been a part of it. But even like planting a church, and when I talk to other church planters in other contexts, and they say, wait a second, reality like is fully supportive and funds you till you can become self-sufficient. We're like, yeah, it's like a family. So as much as you want your kids to one day leave the house, you support them. You're in it. They're your kids. You, you support them until they can on their own. That is like unheard of in the church world. It does not happen. That is not a thing. That's because at the root of what God has done in us as a, as, a, as a church is that we're family. We're family first. And what happens is, is the context of our text today is, right, Paul the Apostle, gnarly Paul, planting churches everywhere, going for it. He's, he has these men that he's raised up, and now he's leaving on their own to start churches and to lead churches and to raise up elders. And so Paul is writing this letter to Titus. And he's leaving Titus on the island of Crete, right? The biggest Greek island. And he's kind of like, Titus, I'm out. This is all you. This though, this letter is, I'm writing it to remind you of what the church ought to be like. How it should function. Where it gets its identity. 
like how the church should be. And so when we're reading this text this morning, there's really two things that jump out. One is, is that Paul is calling the church, God is calling his church to be devoted to God. He even uses language here that we are supposed to be God's very own people. That we at the core of the church are supposed to be a devoted family, devoted to God and devoted to one another. And this isn't an an idea that only Paul brings up to Titus, right? Throughout scripture, we hear that that Christians are to be the bride of Christ. Like we are the bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We're many members, but we're one body. Supposed to function under the head, being Christ. And even like a core belief, a core doctrine of who we are, our identity in Romans 8 is that when we're saved, when we're born again, we're adopted as sons and daughters, right? Like we're adopted into God's family. And as believers, we're a family. We're a faith family as disciples, as Christians, as the church. And as the church, we're we're to be set apart, We're to look differently than the rest of the world or other groups or other people that aren't in God's family. And and Paul reminds Titus of this. Because you're saved in the midst of a perverse and wicked generation, you're supposed to stand out as the people of God. And the main way that you stand out is to be devoted to God and to one another. We're to be set apart, look differently as image bearers of God. And we believe, like, that's true of the local expression. This is a local expression of God's universal church. So Reality Carboneria. You guys are a part of God's bigger church, right? But you're a local expression of this faith family. And what's always been important to us as reality is community and relationships and caring about being a healthy family. And if there's one thing that I've learned and gleaned from us is that we know and we try to walk in as much as we can that church is not an organization or an institution or a show. At the core of who the church is, it's about people that are gathered around our God. Honolulu, for me, has been such a great reminder of what the church is to be like. Because when I was here, Again, this is a great church, but I, for like 15 years, am caught up in in the system, in the machine that church is, right? The building and the ministries and the staff and like all the programs. And again, those aren't bad things, but at the core of why we have staff and ministries and service times and buildings, it's just trying to like order the chaos as the church grows so that you can actually be fruitful in your time together. But at the core of it, it's actually not about those things. Those are just tools so that the people of God can meet with their God more fruitfully. So it's been the best ever when in Honolulu, we don't have a building. We don't have a staff. We don't have an office. We don't have a place to meet. What's the church about? About people gathered around their God. And it's been so beautiful to be reminded of that. Like, to be honest, I've never even been a part of a small church. I haven't. I grew up in this, and it's never been smaller than this. It's big, 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 start more churches, start campuses, which is amazing, but I've never been in a part of a small church. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying, like, 
I'm just saying I've never experienced that. So there's this beautiful reminder of like, what's church about? And as a church planner, you think of that because you're trying to start a new one. What are we doing? Why do we do this? Why did we do that before? You start asking all these really um, good questions. So that's been beautiful because I've taken this family sense of who we are, taken it to Hawaii. And Hawaii in general has its own sense of family. It's called Ohana. It is like at the forefront of like a cultural value of that place. And Ohana means family, but not in the traditional sense. It's not just like blood family and you're my mom and dad or sisters and, and, and brothers, but there's aunties and there's uncles. And Ohana means a group outside in, but outside of your, your direct family that you've included, that you care for, that you accept. And they become, in all sense of the word, ohana. And what that's done is it's really given me a beautiful sense of like, wow, that is to be the church. We're different. We're unique. Maybe we wouldn't hang out with each other outside of these walls, let's be honest. But God brings us together. This is the beauty of the church. Like he makes messy things clean and he puts sinners together and he makes it beautiful. Ever heard of marriage? Same concept, right? Two very different people with very different ways come together and, you know, by God's grace and glory only, he makes it work. The church is to be the same way. And in, in every sense, I feel like reality, we've gotten, oh man, such a unique, special gift what God's done here the last 15 years. And again, if I know if you're new, maybe you wouldn't know that, but that's part of why we're doing this series called Heritage is to be reminded of like the richness of what God has done in our church and to try to be reminded of who God's made us and to walk in that. And I'm gonna tell you right now though, this family, Reality Carpinteria, Reality Family Churches, has been messy Real messy. We, I'm not standing here going like, you're an awesome church because you're perfect. By no means. We've had everything that, you know, kind of a crazy family would have. We've had joy and laughter. We've had pain and deep sorrow, drama. Best of times, the hardest of times. Trust me, it's, we're, we're messy. We're messy. But here's the beauty. This is, this is, this is my takeaway from seeing Reality Carp and the Reality Family Churches, as messy as we are, it has been the most beautiful thing for me to witness the gospel at work in the midst of the messiness. Because here's the true thing. The greatest theater for the gospel to be displayed is in community. It's in relationship because our, our junk is confronted. Our sin is confronted. Like, community is hard. It's not comfortable. It's not always, um, you know, especially for introverts. Like, no, what are you talking about? Let me just, in and out of church, no home group, no thank you. Too, too, no. I get it. But God has designed it this way because what happens in relationship and in community is it lends to the gospel being portrayed and displayed and worked out. And it never would have happened if it wasn't in community. Ask anyone that's married or in any serious relationship and they, man, you're confronted and you either have to become more like Jesus or you're going to stay in your issues. You got to grow. You got to surrender. You got to forgive. You got to extend mercy. You have to live in grace. I mean, we all, we, all, we all know that. But what this local expression has shown me 
is that I really believe that it's the, the, the church, the local expression of the church is the best vehicle on earth to see God move. It's the best when you get these like, we're all different and we're so different, but God is the best and like we're gonna live in that, that tension. And we're gonna get healed and set free and cleaned up and yeah, it's gonna be messy. But that's when we see the beauty of Christ is in our mess. Can I get an Amen. Okay, okay, okay. Just make sure you're with me here. But if there's anything that, as I reflect, that you guys have taught me, is what it truly means to be devoted to Christ and to one another and to the local church. Like, honestly, when I think of, like, the qualities that I've taken away, that I'm now implementing, that we're walking in, it's like faithfulness and steadfastness and devotion, like over the course of our messy family. Like, I've seen that. And what I want to do right now is I want to just like honor some people, call out some people that have been real formative to me that are in this congregation. Again, disclaimer, it's like the Oscars. I'm going to forget people. It doesn't mean I don't love you or you're not on the list or whatever. I just, you know, it's just one of those things. But like, again, you might not know all these people. Maybe some of them are here. Maybe they're not. Some are at first service. But people like Angelo Saragossa. If you know Angelo, like, man, he, every youth camp we've ever done, he made it happen. Like, so formative to just, like, everything. Mike and Helen Ernst, if you don't know them, they've carried the church in prayer for, like, ever. Like, move hand of God, like, Mike and Helen Ernst are involved. Move in God's hand. Fritz and Penny. I don't know if you know Fritz and Penny, but get to know them, right? Yep, exactly. That's why she, yep. They're amazing. The Glenn and Candy Ornays. They're at Santa Rally, Santa Barbara now, but like, just amazing. Paul and Janine Morgan, where are you? I know you're here. There you are. Okay, if you don't know them, you have to get to know them. These are like the people in the church. This is, these are the saints that like made our church. Like in your incredible staff, I know you know this, but like the whole Merrick family, Alan, Terry, Britton, Kate, like everything, the obedience they had, like none of this would exist. If they weren't obedient to God's call. The Smiths, Matt right there, soundboard. Matt Smith, if you don't know him, this is Gandalf slash Luke Skywalker slash, like, you don't even know. His wife, Amber Smith, like, global missions up here doing the announcement, right? Package deal, unbelievable. Don and Tyler Morgan, Tyler did the announcements. Don, somewhere, I called her out last service, she hated me for it. But they're amazing, unbelievable. Um, the Stoltzes, Carol and Doug Stoltz, you guys know them, right? Yeah, let's, I mean, come on. Carol Stoltz, what would the world do without Carol Stoltz? Okay. Todd and Trista Branning, seriously. If you got drama, you've called Todd. I know you have. And he's helped you and he's loved you. This is the best human. The Volpes, Mark and Stacey Volpe. Yeah, honestly, yep. Let's, okay. Let's talk about Jesse Hines for a second. Right? No, this is what happened. She's running that whole, there's a whole church, all your kids. The reason why you're in here, Jesse Hines, and, and an incredible team. But my, my point is, there's a, a lot more, sorry if I forgot you, I love you. But my point is that you guys, this, this group, as well as others, have echoed what scripture tells us we should be. It's like, it's like a devoted family. Like we're in it. Yeah, it's messy. Yeah, there's drama. Yeah, it's not, we're not perfect. But, but you're still serving faithfully and loving Christ and his church. That is what the church is to be like. 
That is what this is supposed to be like, is that we're devoted to Christ and we're devoted to one another. And so what that would practically look like is, if that's true, if we believe that, then we're all supposed to be a part of this family. Again, if, if you're not supposed to be a part of this family, then what, what other family are you supposed to be a part of? I don't, I don't mean leave the church, but you know. Britt says it all the time, so I don't sweat it. But you know what I mean? Like, if you're in it, if, if you're family, okay, well, let's participate in it. Let's engage. Like, let's, let's like, love each other and care for each other and, ca- and, and, and give to those in need. Like, let's be the church. Like, let's not just be about the ministries. Those are going to—that's good— but those are just trying to cultivate this atmosphere of like, we are sold out for Jesus and we're all in for each other. So I want to like charge you guys in that that's where you've been. So continue with that. But here's the deal. If, if we just stop there, we'd become really weird. This is what I mean. Like if we only care about like in these four walls of the building, that's, that's all I should care about. We'll become real insular and stagnant and self-centered and like a Christian bubble at its best. We're not supposed to stay there. We are supposed to be a family, but also we're supposed to be a committed family. So we're supposed to be devoted to one another, but we're also supposed to be committed to good works, to our father's business. That's the second thing that stands out in our text today, this idea of a committed family that we're committed to the Father's works. And Jesus uses this phrase in Luke chapter 2. Um, a little, little background before I show the verse. So Luke chapter 2, what's happened is that Jesus and his family have traveled down to Jerusalem for Passover. And they're there, and they're celebrating. And what happens is, is that Jesus' family leaves. They forget him. They, they forget him. Kind of a big deal to forget Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, he was there with you. He's your kid. He's only 12 years old. You forgot him. They don't realize for a while, which you're like, mom and dad, Mary and Joe, what are you doing? But the caravan's going. They got to turn back and they look for him for three days in Jerusalem. <laughs> this is like, this is a big deal. You lost your kid. Um, so they find Jesus on the steps of the temple and Jesus is like interacting with the religious leaders, uh, asking them questions and he's answering them and they're in awe of who this guy is. And his family finally finds him. And then they say this to him, Luke 2, 49. And they say to him, or Jesus says to the family, like when the family's like, what are you doing? Jesus is like, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? So when they said, Jesus, where you been? He's like, where you been? Like, why do you seek me? I'm here. We're all supposed to be about my father's business. Talking about his father in heaven. Talking about our father in heaven. And our Father's business is all about doing good things for humanity, right? We, we, are, are, we are supposed to be part of those good things. And what I mean by that is seeing God's kingdom come and go forth into the world, like showing and sharing the love and grace of God to all that don't know. That's our Father's business. Like he's in the business of regeneration and redemption and restoration, and he desires for people to be reconciled into himself. So here's the deal. Like, why did Jesus come and die? Well, to forgive our sin. But why? Yeah, that's, that's a means to an end. But why? To repair a broken relationship. Humanity, because of sin, we're separated from God. God says, I can't do this. I love him too much. I'm sending my son to repair this broken relationship. Again, God's into relationships. And he's into reconciling relationships. 
So what happens is, is that's what he's about. He desires all men and women of every tongue, tribe, and nation to come to God, to be reconciled. But what's the means he does it by? Us. 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. And this is what he says. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave, uh, gave us. So we now have the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as, through, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Look at that in verse 19. God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are the ones that now take this message to the world of what God has done. So not only are we supposed to be a devoted family, but we're to be a committed family to the Father's good works. And that would mean locally to our neighbors. That would mean to the far ends of the earth. And then back in our letter to Titus, he expands on this very same thing. Paul elaborates on the church's call to serve the needs as they come up. So Paul to Titus, Titus three fourteen, our people must also learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. Literally, if we aren't going outside of the walls, if we not, we're not a devoted family that are committed to what God is committed to, we're actually going to become unfruitful. Like stagnant. Like that, that language of like, it's not going to be good for us if we aren't being active. Guys, this has always been a part of who we are. Like as, 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 as a church, if I was going to, if I was going to be asked, hey, tell me about Reality Carp, Reality Family of Churches, when um, they've been asked to like, there's a need in the community or there's a need here or we want to do this or like, this is what God is doing. You have always risen to the occasion. Literally, I think back to like the, the, how this building was built was like, hey, it was a lemon packing warehouse. And I don't know if you remember, but we were in the corner and it's like, we got to build a sanctuary because we got like a big half pipe in here. Do you remember that? Anybody here those days? Like this was not like, I don't know if you know, but this is not how it looked. But it was like, hey, we don't want to go into debt. And uh, we just want to like in faith go, hey, God, like we, we see you building the church. And so we're just going to build as much as you provide. And like, I mean, it was like a lot of money, millions. And you as the church gave and God used you to build what it is today. Again, I know it's a building, but that's one example. When there's a need like in Thailand for orphans, like, hey guys, God's bringing orphans to our missionary. We got to build an orphanage. It's going to cost us much money. Like you guys like quadruple down. When there's needs, you meet them. Your time and your people and your resources and your finances. And I want to like stand here thanking Jesus for the example that you've been to me, to us. To being a church that's committed to the Father's business. And what Paul tells Titus here is that the devoted people of God need to be totally committed to this. 
So reality carp, that's in your history. That's in your DNA. Like you're all about what God's all about. I want to encourage you today to like be, com- be, continue to be committed to this, to have it, to want it. And what that really means is like, we got to be all in. Like we got to be committed to our family and to the family of God and to God's will. And what that really does is it requires like all of us to participate, to engage in it. And at the end of it, it's, hey, what pleases the father and what the father cares about, we should care about. But if I was going to sum it up, I want to, what I wanted to do today when I was asked to come here is I I did want to come and honor you guys. You guys have been such a gift to me and formative to my life and to our church now, and to the family of churches. And I want to thank God for what he's done in you. But by no means am I saying you're perfect, or we're perfect, or we're like, oh, we're amazing, we're good. Yeah, we've done everything well. No, that's not true. We're messy. I've been here through it all. But what I do want to do today is I want to have you, if you've been here or if you haven't, remember your heritage. Like, it's rich, and it's deep. Like, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing what God has done. And the thing is, is he is not done. He's not finished. There's more to come. And when I was preparing to go, um, a couple years ago now, we as elders met and were praying, asking the Lord, God, what would you have for us? And this was the time where we were still campuses, So it was like Carpinteria and Santa Barbara and Ventura. And uh, we were really sensing that God was having us become like autonomous, like our own churches. And God was raising up like preachers and kind of making that whole thing. And there was one thing that really stood out. There was a really prophetic word that happened in that prayer time. And it was that the latter glory is going to be better than the former. And for so many of us, you know, we had that rich history of like all the stories of all the things God has done. And so for us, it was really helpful because a lot of times we were like living in the past almost. Oh, well, it's not like it was. And God's like, I know it isn't. It's actually going to be better. Like, that's what I have in store. Like, don't just live in the past. Learn from it, but walk in, walk in those good DNA heritage things, but walk knowing that I have better things to come. And so, Carp, we, we refer to you as mama because you birthed a lot of kids. You have. You started a lot of churches. There's been a lot of growth, a lot of changes. And you may be sitting here and you're like really tired. And I want to encourage you today that like the kids are out of the house. There may, maybe more will come, but the kids are out of the house. All the churches are planted. The best years are ahead of you. Like the best years are ahead of you right now. And I want to... Remind you to remember who God has called you to be. And I believe that it's a family devoted to our father's business. So guys, keep the faith. Like finish the course. What God is doing here is literally affecting the whole world. Yeah, little carpas. That's what it's doing. It's affecting the whole world. Like London, Europe. Now we're in the middle of the ocean and we're reaching the South Pacific and Asia. Like what God is doing here is reaching the whole world. And so Reality Carp, if you've been here for 15 years, if if it's your first day, take up the mantle of what God has done here and be devoted to Christ, devoted to each other, and committed to our Father's business. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you for just 
all that you've done. We take no credit. None of us take credit for this. It's God, this is your church. You've done it. And so it's all glory is yours. All credit, it's not about reality. It's about Christ. And so we lift up your name. And in, in, in the only way that's proper is to worship you. Because you're worthy of this praise. You are absolutely worthy. There's no one like you. There's none that can compare. God, you're so gracious. You're so merciful. God, eternity isn't long enough to praise you. You're that good. But God, I pray that you would continue to make us this, that we would be a church that's like just devoted to Christ and to each other and just living out that prayer, not my will, but your will be done. God, what, are you, what do you care about? I want to care about what you care about. Do that, Lord. Do that in us in a deep, personal way, individually and corporately. Seal that work.